This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is... You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. I'm certainly going to back any man that is taking over, if I like them or not. That man is so easy. It's going so deep. I'll do it. I fancy my chances this week. Previously on Homestale Radio. You know another team that hunts in packs, girls? Go on. Go on. Wolves. 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 Yeah. <laughs> I got ya. <laughs> Nick, you got some stuff in the chat room. Nick? <laughs> Nick! <laughs> Nick, take it off from you. Nick. Mute? Me? No. Um. <laughs> For all our contact information and to send us an email, visit holradio.net forward slash contact. Hello and welcome to Homesdale Radio. That went really well at the start there, didn't it? Uh, my name, as always, is Chris Hambling. Changed it today. Um, oh, God. Sorry about this. Wasn't even ready. Okay, so good evening, welcome to Homestead Radio. My name is Chris Hambling and I host tonight's look back at a, mul- at a tumultuous week for Palace, culminating in a difficult defeat at the hands of West Ham. With me tonight to analyse events are Nick Gillard. Good evening. Alex White. Hello. And Albert Curley. All right, you gay snake? Oh, ridiculous. Our focus during the show will once more be split between a detailed look at the match and discussion on the managerial situation. We'll look in detail at what we, where we think the game against Allardyce's Hammers was lost. Discuss Keith Millen's credentials for the job. Uh, look at all the leading candidates for the position and give our take on Mackay's and Moody's text gate. Uh, we'll round up the best of your contact throughout the show too, so do get in touch today. Uh, and finally, we'll be giving away a ticket for next week's trip to Newcastle, including optional free coach travel. First up, here's news in brief. The manager's search goes on for Palace as the appointment of Malcolm Mackay, which was reported to be very close, was thrown into disarray by revelations of offensive and derogatory texts between Mackay and sporting director Ian Moody, who has since resigned. Keith Millen remains in charge of managerial duties heading into next week. A number of Palace stars have taken on the viral charity drive, Owl's Ice Bucket Challenge. The official club website has links to those players who have so far taken on the challenge. Earlier on Sunday, Hull Radio host Chris Hambling was the first, but not the last, of the Hull Radio team to cover himself in icy water. Check out Facebook or Twitter feed to see the results. 
The club have just released a season review DVD of our incredible last season. Too many seasons there. Visit the club shop online or in person to get your hands on a copy and relive the highs and lows as the team made history. Okay, <laughs> welcome back from that. Uh, also, just before we get involved in anything else, we have got a poll running on Twitter. Uh, the question is, should we forget Premier League experience and looking for a new manager uh, to give us some more options? And it's a retweet for yes and a favourite for no. So if you go to at HOL Radio, you can look there and uh, give us your opinion on that and we'll round up the results a little bit later on. Uh, we'll start with uh, looking at the Newcastle game before we get into managerial chat. and Newcastle game, West Ham game, get ahead of myself. Uh, and obviously, it was it was an incredibly disappointing three-one defeat. Uh, something that personally I felt was potentially on the cards. Uh, I thought it was either going to go one way or the other, extremely good or extremely bad. But um, unfortunately, we did get the extremely bad. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll sort of chew the bones about that, and we'll uh, we'll find out what your views were too. Um, we'll always start with the lineup, and and I think the lineup probably deserves a bit more attention than normal today and, and obviously it was a late change in the uh, with O'Keefe coming in for for Joe Ledley uh, which was the main point of discussion I think there but other than that um, with with Scott Dan injured you can understand the centre-back pairing of Hangland and Delaney obviously the full-backs were Kelly and Ward with Spironi and goal behind them uh, Barry Bannon came in to to start on the wing in place of Jason Punchin who was suspended for this game following his red card in the first game of the season against Arsenal uh, Mile Jednak captained alongside O'Keefe in the middle there. Uh, Balassi on the other wing. And uh, we had Shamak in behind Campbell as, as we started the season with. So, you know, not not too different a team than you would expect in the circumstances. Um, I think the bigger biggest news on the bench was um, see Adelaine Gadiora was called up uh, from outside of the matchday squad into the to come onto the subs bench as a replacement for O'Keefe who had to step in. Um, and, yeah, and Johnny Williams was back, which was nice to see. Uh, back from injury there. Uh, so, yeah, um, first thoughts, please. I'll start with you, Albert, if I may, um, on, on that start in lineup. Uh, what were your first thoughts when you saw that Ed Ledley was injured and, and O'Keefe was stepping in? I got really confused because um, I had to watch the game at home on a very illegal stream. Yeah, Sky, <laughs> whatever. Um, <laughs> and I thought Ledley was starting, and then I tuned in at about five minutes, and my brother said, Oh, look, there's O'Keefe. And we had about a 10 minute row about who it was. Um, and it turned it was okay, so I gathered something had happened. Um, but overall, with the lineup, I think due to a, a general squad imbalance, suspensions, injuries, um, you know, I, I don't think it was a good lineup. However, like I say, it's a, it's an overall, it's indicative of an overall squad problem, um, mm. and the, the injuries and the suspensions only compound that further. So, I, I, yeah, I, I can say it's not what I would have done, but. What else was there to do, really? Well, I mean, I again with the benefit of hindsight, sort of towards the end of the game, I was I was thinking to myself, well, you know, why didn't we uh, stick Joel Ward up alongside Jednak because that had worked so well in, in the past, and it's something that Pulis did very very early on as well. So, uh, and obviously we haven't got the strength because um, obviously we've got no left backs really anymore. But you know, potentially the damage would have been a bit less if we'd stuck maybe Mariapa in there. What are your thoughts, Nick? Yeah, um, it just shows the lack of depth in our squad, doesn't it, really? Mm. Um, and showed how much perhaps we miss KG and, you know, should we have kept hold of him and, and maybe even, um, oh, I've forgotten his name, played centre-back at the beginning of last year and then disappeared off the radar. Oh, what was his name? Completely gone. <laughs> I'm getting old, aren't I? That's the um, problem with age. Well, we, um, Marange? 
Gabidon? He doesn't exist. Gabidon, that was. It's not at the club Gabidon. anymore, but I mean, we could have picked him, I guess, if we'd signed him on a new contract somehow. But yeah. Um, did it show a bit of naivety from from Millen as well, having having mm. the the injury during the warm up for for Ledley? You know, did he did he panic a bit? I, well, I personally would have stuck stuck Williams in midfield. Mm. Well, something that's just not happened. A lot of people have called for it and said he can play there. Uh, before I say any more, Alex, your opinion on this? Yeah, I, I think it's slightly worrying, isn't it? The fact that we go into a season without a left back. I think that's, that's, that's quite pathetic. And I think most people in that situation probably would have stuck Stewie O'Keefe in there. I don't, I don't think, you know, Johnny Williams just coming back from injury. I don't think you'd stick him at the deep end. And, and they're very, very different types of players. But he brought Guidiora into the bench, which I think, Perhaps I probably would have started with Gradiora because he, like Ledley, brings that presence, brings that height, brings that tackling ability. Mm. I think maybe perhaps that, that Gradiora should have got the nod ahead of O'Keefe, but it's you, hindsight, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And do you think maybe that if you if he's in, you know, got O'Keefe on the bench and and Gradiora is not featuring, would it be weird to promote him above O'Keefe to the starting lineup in that situation? Obviously, if it's for the best thing for the team, you'd want to do it, but it's not something you'd generally see, is it? No, no, of course it's not, but it's football and, you, and you've got to think about it realistically. Obviously, Millen favoured O'Keefe ahead of him because he, he picked him and he, he put him on the substitutes bench. But like for like, I think you're closer with Gwydior and Ledley than you are with um, you are with O'Keefe and Ledley. Yeah, um, Nick? Um, I'm being told off in the chat room by Lions550. Wash your mouth out, Nick, suggesting we miss KG. Personally, I think we should be playing Jerome Williams... Um, at the back and put Ward in as as the midfielder in yeah, that not, situation. It's, it's not a bad shout. I mean, but the thing with Williams is, although he spent a lot of time in the team in pre-season, um, he's just un, certainly un, untried at this level and he's not played an awful lot of first-team football anyway. And yes, I suppose you can you can argue that at some point you've got to throw these kids in and see if they can see if they can manage, but. Um, you do you do worry about whether or not he would have uh, would have succeeded, but I mean it was a particularly hard game anyway, as as you know as we saw it unfold, and and Ward didn't have the easiest of times out wide anyway, so uh, it's a difficult one, isn't it? But I mean again, we're all talking about hindsight. When you first when I when I saw the team, obviously concerned that it, it was clear that Ledley had had gone out for the warm up, and it was clear that it was a late change, and you know when that was confirmed as an injury, you kind of think it was exactly what you're saying. It, it just shows all of a sudden that we do have a lack of depth in that squad. We'll come back to O'Keefe later on. I know we've got a couple of people itching to get in contact with us about it and, uh, and sort of chew over how what his performance was. And it's difficult to pick on individuals in the circumstances, but we're here to analyse the game, and I guess that's what we'll be doing a bit later on. Um, on the game itself, uh, I, th- I thought we had a reasonable start, but the longer that the game went on, the harder and harder I thought we found it to keep the ball. And I'm just... I was struggling to see why that was, and I, I don't think it was anything to do with how West Ham were playing. I, I thought I thought it might have been, um, you know, something that they did. But I've sort of watched bits back, and I, I can't really see that they were doing anything out of the ordinary. We just seemed to lack a certain confidence, and we didn't seem to, you know, it was almost like the ball was a hot potato at times, and that particularly came from from Mila Yednak. I felt there was a couple of occasions previously on Homestale Radio. After receiving the ball, and it was just no need to play that part. You put a teammate under pressure. That's your captain as well. You got to put your foot on the ball sometimes, and I was a little bit disappointed in that. But um, again, well, let's let's go to you, Nick. What what do you think? What was why can't why can't we keep the ball? We had more possession than we've had for a long, long time. Forty six percent, I think we had, but we just couldn't 
make anything of it. It's one of the great mysteries because, like you, it's, <coughs> I've written in the show document here. Who knows why we found it harder? But we just seemed rudderless, clueless, and leaderless. Can I just just go to before the game? Yeah. Normally, first game of the season, everybody's buzzing, the whole place is up for it, and it's the flattest I've known the season start sellers for many, many years, and that's including sort of when we were a fair to middling championship team, and it it seemed to kind of get across to the to the team as well. It was, there, there's no surprise something though, is wrong, it? isn't there? There's no surprise, and there's there's definitely something wrong, and we've we've got to bloody sort that out, really, haven't we? And do you think it's the lack of a manager might have something to do with it? <laughs> well, obviously, yeah. I mean, that's that's the elephant in the room, isn't it? It's I um no matter what players say. If there's, if there's an elephant in the room, he can have the job. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, what does an elephant do? Let's stop that. That's a, you can't refer to jokes pre-show, Nick. I've told you before. Anyway, um, what? Yeah, it is the obvious statement. The players say that it doesn't affect them. Obviously, we spoke to Clinton uh, Morrison the other week, and when we when no when this all happened, and he was saying that yeah, players will always say that, but it isn't true. It hurts when your manager walks out and leaves you, uh, and, and it's difficult to adjust until something's you know set in stone and put in, you know or put in place or whatever, however you want to put it. And we did look like that. We did look like a team that was really, really struggling, um, and it's a shame. It's it's a shame to see just how much it affected the team. And a lot of people have said there was a lack of effort or whatever. I don't think there was any lack of effort in my view. And we'll talk about what people's views on individual players were, but. For me, the team broke down. The team ethic broke down. All of a sudden, players were trying to desperate not to make a mistake rather than thinking Previously about Previously on Homestale Radio. You know, we, we've built our strength on being... Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we failed like we did. And, and going on to that, the first goal from the West Ham... I, I From West Ham, I, I really did think when I watched it at the game that I thought, oh, what's Bannon's been beating way too easily there? And I went back and, and looked at it again and it wasn't... Bannon's fault. He was the only one who went out there. There was two players out there for the for the corner, and they just you know it was just easy for them. No one put them under pressure, and Bannon sprinted out. But obviously, he sprints out to the ball. One of the players peels off, and a quick sort of one-two between them, and they're they're in. And it's just too too easy. Yes, it was defended, and it ended up coming out to Zerato, a great strike. But there was no closing down. There was it was just really really odd to see us concede a goal like that. It really was. What do you think, Alex? To concede a set piece again is just so frustrating. To see a side that we were the most organised, the most concentrated side in the Premier League, we didn't concede a set piece under Tony Pulis. And to concede another one after conceding a one at Arsenal is just. The two at Arsenal, it's, it's, it's so frustrating to think that, you know, three weeks ago we wouldn't have conceded from that corner. And obviously. I, I can sit here and criticise players, but I'm not in that position. They've lost a leader, a, you know, a manager, and, and a friend in in a horrible, in a horrible, horrible way with that. And they found the players found out when we found out as fans, and that is terrible. But it doesn't give you an excuse to take your mind off of the game and and concentrate. And and someone's got to be standing in there and telling people what to do. And I think we really, really miss Scott down in that position. Mm, definitely, yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, Albert, views. Yeah, I think it's it's had smatterings of Fulham last year, didn't it? You know, corner yeah. comes in, um, ball bobbles around, and you know who's who's chasing and closing down the second ball. I know Bannon tried, but you know Bannon's a two foot nothing winger. You know, it should, everybody should be kicking out and trying to get in front of that ball. Um, 
you know, good strike. Match of the day seemed to be a little bit too excited about it for my liking, but um, I think you can just tell there's a there's a general malaise certainly in the, in in defensive scenarios. And I don't know. Again, you know, we're, we're talking about the team being deflated due to all the the upheaval. Um, I think they just need once once there's a manager in and uh, they get a bit of a kick up the. Um, you said I can't swear. Um, no, I did. Yeah. Bum, bum. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, you know, what, once they get the, the, you know, the impetus of a new manager and that, you know, that encouragement, I'm hoping that we'll see less and less of those those goals. And you know, obviously there was, was Carlton Cole's one was mm-hmm. almost as bad. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, we'll talk about that in a minute. Was, yeah, yeah, I will come to that. I was prepare myself. Uh, last little bit on on that first goal, Nick. Uh, Albert actually put it across rightly. In terms of, you can say that the lack of direction, the lack of um, a, a clear leader in terms of a manager, and perhaps you know missing someone like Scott Dan does affect the defence. But I mean, in terms of in terms of the actual strike, do you think Jules could have done any better? Not sure. It, it, it was a pretty good strike. The fact that um, Zaleta shouldn't have been on the pitch anyway at that point, and you know after after his horrendous stamp. On O'Keefe, and it was actually O'Keefe who didn't get in front of the letter in, enough for the strike. I think perhaps if if he hadn't been stamped on, he might have had an extra yard to throw himself even further in front of the ball. But after the goal was scored, there was such an air of resignation about the players. You could yeah. you could see the shoulders kind of drop, and the heads really really droop. Rather than saying right, come on, we made a mistake, let's get back into this game. Yeah. The way they trudged back to the to their positions, it, it just it said a lot, didn't it? Really, I don't it know did. if anybody else noticed that, but it yeah, was, I, I just the re- air of air of resignation. I really did, and it wasn't until after half time that when you know the, when Millen and and, and Ben Garner had, had a chance to get into them, it, it wasn't until then that there was any kind of a response. It, it just you could see it just knocked the stuffing out of us to concede that goal, and the manner in which we did. There's players looking around at each other, and Bannon quite rightly is holding his hands out, exasperated, even before the ball's in the net because he's he's just. He's had to try and chase down two players, and at no point has someone seen the danger and come out and given him support out there. And that's he a was, real shame. He was on his own a lot out there, Ban, and he didn't seem to have as much support on that side, did he? No, no, and obviously, in defensive duties, I mean, Punchins used to play in that position, yeah, and, and, and tracks back probably in a different way, probably more used to playing. But then you've got to think, he, he was playing, I suppose. Where he was playing on the right hand side, so behind him he's got Kelly. So Kelly's a new player, hasn't really, well, hasn't worked with Pulis at all. I didn't so, say extremely. Just, just, <laughs> uh, just before he, uh, just before he left the club. So, in terms of how he's supposed to play that position, Kelly hasn't had much instruction, and Bannon hasn't played how much. much. Does so an the two of them almost in shampoo. those areas, and Bannon's not actually a winger anyway. Um, how much does and an enough, you could say both, shampoo? You could say certainly that uh, um, Bannon was great going forward and. You know, like you said, Pan he was kind of almost on his own defensively because Kelly it. tucked in a lot. Um, uh, Kelly got forward once as well, which was really oh, pleasing to see. But yeah, it, it was some worrying things out there. Uh, go on, Nick. Uh, just in the chat room, wholeradio.net slash chat, um, one of the guys in there has said that the team were playing as if they'd lost their father. And, mm. and actually, <laughs> Keith Millen on the touchline, was How he much local? Um, I couldn't tell you, to be honest. I mean, I'm at, I'm at the back of the R room, Block W. I can only see his shoes, so... Um, <laughs> it's hard were his, for me were his shoes vocal? How much does an <laughs> they, they weren't. They were, if anything, they were silent. But um, how do, how, how can you say that a manager not being vocal doesn't 
doesn't mean that he's not leading them. You, How Dougie much Freeman does an was one of, our, pay for one of our best managers in recent history in the championship, and, who, hey. and he was never standing there on the touchline screaming orders at people. It's a very different type of management, and, and I do hey. respect that and, and understand him. that, and I wouldn't start for any minute <laughs> saying that, that that would be the reason oh, that we lost that game, because Keith Millen stood there with his arms crossed. You know, what do you want him to do? Start screaming at people and making, in my opinion, making things worse. You know, I manage a team myself, and if I start screaming at people when things are down, you know, you've, you've got to do it properly and you've got to get him in at half time and say the right things okay thank, thanks thanks for alex just wanted to pick up on a couple of things we got asked in one of the questions we just got asked was um was whether or not we'd take freeman back since we just mentioned him um i think we could knock that one on the head now um next question next question i no is the outside i know all due respect to freeman i'm not someone who hates dougie freeman or anything like that but at the moment you know he's a he's just manager it's just a man just struggling at the bottom bottom areas of the championship. I'm not really don't really think a club in our position would should be a, looking to appoint someone like that. Um, with all due respect, um, some uh, some wag some Bolton fan posted on uh, the homestale.net, didn't they? The team were playing as if they'd lost their back. father. Yeah, and, mm, and yeah. actually, and Keith I don't really know um, why they thought that that might go down well, but it certainly hasn't. And, um, and actually, and also, Keith uh, on the with all the stuff that they have I was no. Um, I couldn't tell you to be honest. Summary of the back of the arm from Block W. Um, Fraser Campbell so, poor. Um, seen milk turn quicker than Hangland, and Balassi isn't worth twenty k a week on that shoes, performance. So I think we need five <laughs> new players. Where are shoes? Just stay up. How much is it? There was criticism coming in of the way the guys played, and again, lots picking on individuals. But um, again, like I say, we, we our current theory, thought seems to be that the you know the team broke down unfortunately uh, and it led to lots of um should we say uh, unpalace like displays from individuals and, and previously on homestale radio being easily by Stuart mm. Downing and, and then room. Stuart Downing outpaced Joel how much does an essence um, I thought it was really interesting shampoo. to see Ward try and he tried to show Downing Pan, down outside <laughs> but Pan. you know Stuart Downing is well known as a left footed oh, player that's good uh, so he he doesn't and, like and actually he's Keith Miller on the touchline. Okay, he hasn't scored a great deal of goals in, of recent times, but it, you know it's basic. It's really basic defending. I was really disappointed in that goal. Um, thoughts on that, Alex? Do you know what annoyed me, Chris? The fact that Stuart Downing. Joel Ward being a right-footed player, Stuart Downing comes inside and puts Joel Ward onto his tackling foot, his strongest right foot, and you think that then that Joe Ward is in his strongest possible position playing on that wing and he's just watched him walk past him and you just think if Stuart Downing can do that to you Joe you know where is your confidence at because you are in the top six or seven fullbacks in the league and that you know he hasn't had, hasn't had a bad game for about a year and a half Joe Ward that's the thing you know players obviously have bad games but when you see seven or eight players having poor games that's when you begin to worry I think yeah, uh, I think what we're going to have to do. We're gonna, apparently we've got some issues with some some of our pre-show chat playing in the background here. I'm going to uh, ask Mikey to stop and restart briefly if that's what's happening. Oh, apparently it's just fine, guys. Can you just uh, refresh your streams at home if you're having problems and let us know how you get on? <clears throat> apparently, whole radio needs a new manager, according to the chat room. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm trying desperately to hold my. Uh, Pager together, but I'm really not very happy at the moment. Um, okay, so uh, what happened after the the second goal? Obviously, was was uh, was you know we, we just played out a second off. We looked devoid of any confidence. Got in at half time, came back out and looked a little bit more like Palace. You know, the Palace that we know looked a little bit more on the front foot. It was it was nice to see and nice to see that. And I thought we were going to come back. 
Marouan Shemak's strike was was a brilliant finish, and it was weirdly enough, it was Jednak who found himself out on the left wing, hooked the ball across, and and heard people saying it was a lucky pass, but you know I, I thought it was good good ball across into the right areas. Shemak uh, just just sort of watched the bouncing ball and smashed it in the bottom corner. It was brilliant to see, uh, great strike, and it, it just the confidence very at that moment in time the confidence just went straight back in the side and I was I honestly thought we were on for a comeback uh, what do you think Albert? Yeah it was a lovely goal um, I think Shamak's certainly been one of our you know only two games in but he's been our stand up performer I thought he was definitely uh, a contender for player of the season last year um, I know that's not a uh, particularly um, new outlook on him great goal and yeah again briefly you thought we were on for a comeback but um it's the def- it seems it seems to me that, that, that you know it's the defense the defensive frailty just just bubbles to the top and you know and and um once that third goal goes in it, I, th- I think that's it that you know it's a proper sucker punch shoulders really drop chins really go down and, and we were never in it but um you know Shamak, I think he needs to he needs to start. We need to keep stick with him and just f- hopefully hit him and um, Campbell can gel a bit more and you know we'll, we'll we'll reap the rewards. Fingers crossed. Yeah, definitely fingers crossed. And and there was a lot. I mean, I know Campbell received some criticism there. Obviously, we've got a message about that, and I don't know really what to what to say about him because I don't think he did anything necessarily wrong other than not pulling the trigger when he got a good chance. But again, he's another new player. He's someone who's not quite used to the setup, And he's someone who, again, you'd have loved to have got him in a bit earlier. So they've had a few more games pre-season to play with that side because he does all the things we want. You know, he runs channels, he chases lost causes and he's also, you know, good on the ball, but, but he just did not get, you know, enough opportunities. He had one chance. And, you know, in this league, if you get one chance, you do have to put it away. So if if you only see one during a game, it's an awful lot of pressure on you. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to think. But like you say, I mean, I mean, Shamak, I thought was was excellent for a lot of the game. I noticed Jell on Twitter was um, saying he hadn't done anything. But he's, again, like Bannon, he's a player who just likes likes to put his foot on the ball and actually play football. And it's really good to see. Um, It was good to uh, see him shoot, wasn't it? For one, yeah, you know that was our yeah. complaint about him last year was he wasn't shooting enough, and lo and behold, when he does, back of the net. Yeah, no, absolutely, and you know, just yeah, like you say, it'd be nice to see it a little bit more. Um, okay, so I mean, that was that was a bright moment for us, and like I said, Campbell did go clean through a little bit later on. Um, you know, he, got, he beat the defence. He he got you know he changed changed to his right foot, and they were all going the other way, and you just thought you know hit it, pull the trigger. And he didn't, and he didn't at all, didn't do anything, in fact, and just tried to check back on his left foot again. And the chance chance is gone. Um, why was that, Alex? Do you know, the, the thing that really annoyed me is I was I was sitting in the homestay and I had the person behind me just shouting, I'll oh, get him off, get Gail on, you know, things like this. And, and I literally just cringed because I think whoever you have up front there on their own, they are so isolated that... It's irrelevant who you have up there, you know. Unless you've got Cristiano Ronaldo up there or Messi or whatever, you, you've got to be dreaming if you think that someone's going to change a game from up there. He literally, how many times did he touch the ball in the first half? Probably twice. And you can't have your centre forward doing that. At times he, he drifted out wide and things like that because he was hungry trying to get the ball, which maybe he shouldn't have done because we need that, that central point up top. But mm. literally, there's, there's, I, I can't fault the player. You know, he hasn't done anything wrong. He had that one opportunity, granted he didn't take, 
But other than that, he's had absolutely nothing, and he's a player that needs to be busy, you know, moving around on the shoulder, and he yeah. just did not get any opportunity to even touch the ball or sniff the ball. So to criticise him, I, I think, is utter madness. Yeah, but there's a lot of that, isn't there, in terms of when, when the team breaks down, it's hard to actually... You, you can look at any individual player and you can say, well, he hasn't done his job today. But it, I just think that... Okay, I think there there are things that you can criticise Campbell about, like you can criticise any player about. But what was worrying for me, Millen talked afterwards, and I just about working on attacking play. And I do think that, in a way, and I think I think it is reflected. Crofton Glazer in the chat room pointed out that um, the possession was forty six fifty four, and I think we actually did try and change the way we were played a bit too much and I don't think it was the time I really don't I, and I think that's where we struggled because before we were soaking up a bit of pressure and we were breaking and that's where this one touch passing comes in you know quick 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 move quick out to Balassi off you go but we almost tried because we had more of the ball and because we you know we had different attacking movement we kind of did nothing we ended up just putting ourselves under pressure Albert yeah, I think it's, it's harsh on Campbell. You know, we, we didn't lose the game because Campbell missed that chance. We, you know, it was our defence that that cost us all those three goals. Every, every goal you look at, there's there's a fundamental, whether it's you know midfield not helping out or the, you know or the defence itself. Those those goals are all of our own doing essentially, and I don't think you can you can lay blame on Campbell for not for us not winning that game. No, I don't think so. No, there's a lot. There's a lot of reasons we didn't win that game. I think if you if you're completely honest and you look back and you, even though I, you know, I do think it was a pivotal point in the game as it was at that time. There was also plenty of opportunities for West Ham to have scored more goals, uh, including one that a Tompkins header that came off at the angle of post and bar. I mean, that should, it's a free header at the back post. No one really challenged him properly, and you know, there was there were other times where they could have scored. So I think we were well beaten, and I don't think it's fair to like you say, to look at Campbell for that one. Um, Alex, you got much in the, the contact hub for me? Yeah, lots of love coming in for Marin Schwack's performance, which is nice to shove in Joe's face, I must admit. You've got Tony, Tony Johnston, Cameron Smith, um, uh, who else have we got? Marin Schumach. Marin Schumach, saying <laughs> that he played really well. Andrew Mart. Martinic, or however that's pronounced, I'm apologising if that's wrong, but all the love coming in for that. I think it's safe to say that was wrong. I think that was wrong, but I'll <laughs> give it a go. But lots of um, lots of negativity coming in towards uh, Campbell, which obviously I disagree with. But Lee Taylor said he was atrocious, and he doesn't know why he's starting in front of Gale, which is a little bit harsh. And I think uh, Christopher Windsor hit the nail on the head by saying a thankless job not made easy by his size, playing up mm. top on his own. Cameron Jerome perhaps could have played that role. Well, yeah, there's, and there's a lot. I did notice a lot of comparisons to to the you know to him playing the Jerome role. I, I, you know, I think he's good. I think he's good there. I think he's better than Jerome there, and it will be proved in time. But I think not in not the way we played yesterday, Nick. Uh, a couple of bits in the chat room, wholeradio.net slash chat. Lots of you in there tonight. Um, Ni Palace fans said last season Downing wouldn't have been able to allow to run so far for his goal, um, and that's responded to by Andy A. He says, well, is that down to the players not making the effort to close him down? Or are we just going to keep blaming the fact that Tony Pull is left for everything that's going wrong? Um, yeah, it's a it's a valid question. Um, and you can but but I don't know when you when you look at players not doing something that they have been doing. Um, it's clearly it's a, it's an it's an outside factor, isn't it? I don't think that they've stopped trying. And I think it's an easy criticism um, to oh, I just think. When you're talking about someone who drills 
the the role of each player into them sort of with absolute you know there's there's no uncertainty under a to, under Tony Pulis of what your role is in the side I'd imagine um, yeah I'd imagine if if you're helping if you're telling somebody exactly what they've got to do all through the game beforehand yeah. and suddenly you're taking it's like telling uh, the analogy is a cl- kids in a class who are told to do a test and not given any prep before they do it or you, they can do the test with somebody next to them helping them out with any problems they might have do you know what i mean it's a cool teacher suddenly, talk <laughs> it, it is but it's suddenly they didn't have to think for themselves so much with tony police because they they were told what they had to do whereas you know in the old days the old days of liverpool their their manager um would just say right go out and enjoy yourselves and because they were good footballers and they only used 16 players for the whole season, they all knew what their roles were. Suddenly you take away that, you know, the, the coaching side of it and they, they didn't have a clue. Yeah, it's about preparation, isn't it, Nick? And, yeah. and no matter what you do, no matter how hard Keith Millen and, and Ben Garner tried, and, you know, obviously with Jerry, Jerry Francis' support, no matter how hard they tried, the preparation is far from ideal with the club in the situation it's in right now. And it's not just lo- learning, losing Tony Pulis, it's also the uncertainty. And, uh, you know, uncertainty is, is one of the worst things for confidence in, in, in football. It just, it happens. Whenever you look at a club that's in off-the-field turmoil, the playing side suffers. It always does. Um, Albert, you just put a little comment on that. Yeah, I think it's it's you can you can say oh Tony Pulis isn't there to bark instructions, you know. But as we discussed earlier, you know Keith Millen could have chosen to do that. But there's so you know the, we are in a really tumultuous time at the moment, and you know the players are the ones that have to go out onto the field and sort of bear the brunt of it because we the fans you know still want the points, we still want a performance, you know. But they're the guys that they they have no idea what's going on, you know, when they go turn up at training on Monday, Tuesday, whenever. Um, and it's you know there's a huge confidence and psychological element to, to modern football, and you know footballers are all you know egos and nurtured and and looked after. And the moment that that balance isn't right, it doesn't take a lot to completely knock the stuffing out of a team. And and that's what we're going through at the moment. But you know, the, and we, if we forget, we we lost we lost a point at the Emirates last week. To, you know, essentially a last you know a last last minute goal. You know, and that that takes in effect. It's just been a it's it's one whether it's on the pitch or off the pitch. It's one one knock after another. Yeah. And, you know, the the players have got to be feeling that. You know, doesn't matter who's barking at them. It, you know, they're they're in a demons. Are, you know, aren't being sort of looked after. You know, it's it's they're, they're fragile. You know, fragile fragile personalities. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that. And I. Yeah, and again, if you look at how the fans have been affected by what's been going on as well, there's not an awful lot we can do about it. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure most of us will say it's dominated our thoughts throughout the course of the week. Obviously, it is a little different fans and players, but just sort of using it as an example to say that you know these things do affect you, even if you have no direct control over them. You know, they don't really affect your day to day life and reality, but when you witness it, they do. I am noticed on a obviously we're talking about Campbell and the way he was playing. Um, RedBlueArmy.co.uk saying that, uh, that Campbell did seem to pick and choose the times that he pressed and whereas Jerome was someone who closed down at every opportunity and um, pointed out that Barry Bannon shouted a phrase, phrase at Campbell on several occasions to close down. So maybe some, uh, some issues there in the amount of times he was closing down. Can you um, do an impression of that, Chris? I cannot. Not yet, no. Plus, <laughs> plus we might have Barry on soon and I don't want to offend him. <laughs> um, uh, Johnny said that... Um, uh, where is it? He, uh, that... Campbell didn't have any real anticipation and didn't look like he wanted to be out there. Stark Gale on Saturday works his socks off. 
Um, and Will Gain has gone for how can anyone blame Campbell? Uh, he had to work off scraps and run himself silly. Whole team were poor, least of all Campbell. Uh, and Alex Penge has also got in touch talking about uh, when we were waxing lyrical about Marouane Schumach, uh, that in, he believes that in, he's proving in terms of ability he's one of the best players ever to put on the shirt up there with Lombardo, something I said last year. Feels a little bit less like something I'd say now because we're, we're struggling a little bit, but he's, at his best he's technically excellent. Uh, I think you want to say something, Nick? Yeah, it was just um, a couple of years ago, or maybe even last season, if, if we'd had a performance like that, we'd have all said, oh yeah, it was just a bad day at the office, we'll bounce back. None of us are saying that at the moment, are we? No, not at the moment, no, because we we need to take sort of fairly drastic action, don't we? We need a manager in, uh, whoever thankfully, that may be, and we need, we need players in. Thankfully, we're only two games in, mm. you know, which is which is a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel, isn't it, really? Yeah. Listen, there's, there's, you know, there's a window coming up, so let, let's hope that we do something in that as well as get a manager in. Uh, and obviously, you'd hope that the manager comes in first, otherwise... Should the signings go badly, you'll know what sort of things will get said. Uh, anyway, so that will, that will stem from the, the chance of what we felt was pivotal. pivotal, pivotal ugh, Struggling at pivotal. There we go. It's easy. I can stop saying that word. Hmm. Well done. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Need your support. Uh, no, no, one, no one noticed. No, no, it's good. Just don't draw attention to it. Uh, but that that was the moment. It could have been 2-2 there. And I think if it was, we go on and win the game. Unfortunately, what happened was... Um, I was a bit annoyed about this free kick as well for the third goal because there was a high foot in on Delaney, a clear high foot in on Delaney by Carlton Cole just prior to the to the free kick that Stuart O'Keefe gave away. And it was a soft free kick anyway. Um, but all that aside, it's a free kick. You defend it, don't you? And unfortunately, we didn't do that. A long was straight it the straightest, ball. Yeah, the straightest free kick into the box you've ever seen. Yeah, it really. It was just, it was, yeah, is it? Just like an arrow straight in the middle. And who's coming out and dominating there? No one. No one's come out and actually just got their head on it. It's, a, it's dropped, effectively dropped to the floor, isn't it? I mean, how can you have that? It's awful. Terrible, terrible, terrible goal to concede. And these are mistakes we didn't make last season. So why is that, guys? Why is it? That, that was Sunday League stuff. Honestly, to, to let someone have the ball down at the floor in your box from a set piece like that is absolutely unforgivable that is pathetic and obviously I'm not going to start criticising the current regime but I just think I think these players are so beaten and destroyed and ripped to shreds everything at the moment seems to be going against them and like Albert said you know these people are fragile and if I was I don't think I could play in that situation when when someone walks out on you the way that they did and when you feel you've some you know you can trust somebody like that, and then they sort of just spit in your face and walk out on you two days before the season starts. Yeah, uh, do you need a cuddle, Alex? Do you know what I want? I want to get you know I want to go and find Glenn and just have a long cuddle with him. Well, we know about that. <laughs> when uh, that, that's nonsense, because when my ex-wife left me, oh, I tell people it's me that left her. The, the Sunday after, I scored a hat trick from defence. <laughs> it was own goals, but you know. Thanks, Nick. It's always good yeah. to share, isn't it? Insight. Yes. Insight, um, uh, yeah. OK, we're, we're going to talk about some individual performances now. Um, and We've got Jedanak and O'Keefe for the first pairing I'm going to go for. Uh, and we're going to talk to, to Ben Nagel and to Ferhad Zaidi. Um, hopefully the, the sort of sounds of them ringing up will start very shortly. But um, I, want to, yeah, I also want to talk in a bit of detail about Mila Jedanak. Obviously, he's, he's got an, a lot of responsibility as captain of the, of the club. And Really, 
it wasn't his best game. It really, I have to say, it wasn't. And and West Ham did the right thing. And Alex, you've talked about it before in that the way you get, the way you sort of negate the effect of Mila Jednak is to pass around him. Um, and they did, didn't they? Well, yeah. When you don't have a, a Joe Ledley or a KG next to him, that sort of is very hard to get round as well as. It makes it makes life a lot easier for West Ham to do that, and that's the thing, you know, build a triangle around him. And I don't, I, I can't, I can't remember who their number eight was, but he literally ran the show in, just in front of Jednak and left us with absolutely no chance of of getting our main man on the ball, and we had no plan B whatsoever. Mm. What did you make of uh, Jednak's performance, Albert? Um, yeah, just a bit. The, the Edinac of old, I think, um, not not the uh, Trojan horse that we've come to expect in the middle of the park. And you know, we all know we all know his weaknesses, like you say, pass the ball around him, you take him out of the game. And you know, credit to West Ham, I, I did think they played fairly well. Um, he, I think he just he's got he's got a lot of responsibility, as you've said. And when it's all crumbling around him, you know, I feel for him. You know, he, he there's only so much he can do as one man. And you know, whilst he's a very very good player. He's, he's only good at certain aspects of his game, and if he's not on those aspects, he might as well not be on the pitch. Although he did get an assist, you know, every cloud. Yeah, yeah, every cloud, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. We'll um, hopefully we'll be um, okay. We're going to go to a little break while we try and get in contact with our callers, and then we're back shortly. Are you looking for a job in professional football management? We at Crystal Palace Football Club have an exciting opportunity for the right candidate. Based in South London, the club has a vibrant fan base, a committed squad and a progressive and ambitious board. With a transfer kitty topping £25 million and, a pro- and an approaching deadline, new players are a priority to supplement the talented group already on the payroll. A successful candidate will have a proven track record in professional football management, have a commitment to both developing youth players and working with experienced household names. To satisfy our amazing support, you will need to sign players who don't want to join the club at below market value. We'll also need to retain existing staff and bring in your own at the same time, as well as ensuring you sign enough players to fill the squad of 25 without blocking chances for unproven youngsters. You must pick all the fan favourites without due consideration to team shape, tactics or results. But if you do so and lose games, it is your fault. You must play attacking football, retaining possession of the board against technically superior teams, and, if losing, immediately throw on the three forwards you should have picked in the first place, as it will ensure victory. So apply now via poisonchalice at cpfc.co.uk. Candidates must not be racist, homophobic, the wrong type of Irish, Dougie Friedman, arsonists, sex offenders, Brighton fans, expensive, not expensive, experienced, not experienced, under any circumstances, Alan Murrow. All phones and email accounts must be submitted for detailed analysis prior to appointment. Okay, so on the line we have Ben and we have Ferhad. Um, the second part of the two we wanted to talk about were, uh, was Stuart O'Keefe. And Stuart O'Keefe has been a fairly high feature of, uh, on, on a tweet and on the message boards as well of, of how people played. Now, Ben, I'm going to start with yourself. Um, you had strong opinions on how you felt uh, um, O'Keefe played. So, so let's get into it. Yeah, well, I mean, in his defence, uh, he sort of found out 10 minutes before, didn't he? And you sort of look at that and you think, was he mentally ready? Because you sort of find out 10 minutes before and, you know, play, other players would know, you know, probably start of the week that they're going to be playing. And I suppose you've got to cut him some slack because, uh, you know, for that reason. Mm. Um, and I suppose he wasn't the only one that was bad, so perhaps it's harsh to, to pick on him. Although saying that, um, I sort of I got a list of reasons why I think he was, he was awful. And, um, well, first of all, I thought he was just off the pace in general. He wasn't quick enough into challenges. And I think the first goal was quite a good example of that because it's him that should be closest to, to Zerate when he scores and the ball shouldn't be allowed to drop from, from the height that it does. Um, 
I mean, it's a very good strike, and if Zarate misses the ball, then, uh, then he doesn't get you know in trouble for it. But it was just awful. He misplaced passes. That was sort of the main thing for me. Um, he just couldn't seem to pass the ball five or ten yards, and he just sort of looked nervous when he got it. Which, uh, to be honest, I just don't think he's good enough for this level. It's quite a strong opinion, admittedly, but I mean, yeah. I thought that the crowd sort of showed it when he came off, and there was ironic cheers that, that he was leaving the pitch. And is, uh, obviously, it's not yeah. nice to hear from from that point of view. But but yeah, I just, I just thought he was awful, to be honest, Chris. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, obviously. When you when you're you're focusing on you know the fact he didn't have a particularly good game, you understand obviously you understand there's a wider reaching thing there. Ferhad, I'll bring you straight in on to, to counter what Ben said. Ben's obviously critical of of O'Keefe as a player. I mean, what did you think? How do you think he played first of all? Um, let's be honest. I, I completely agree with Ben. You know, he didn't have the best of games yesterday, but that wasn't the plan. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah, no, he, he he didn't have the best of games. I think we did so well against Arsenal. You know, we nearly picked up a point. Um, you know, the team have been training, preparing for the West Ham game with Joe Ledley, obviously, firm in their minds. He gets an injury just before the game. Um, and, you know, Stuart O'Keefe has to, uh, to stay in his place. Um, what we need to think sort of in, in pers- place into perspective is that the poor guy last saw competitive action for the team against Richmond Kickers on the 28th of July. Mm. Um, he only paid, paid, what, 25 minutes of that game? And also, if you put into perspective that he's not actually played with Jedernak at all this season, or in pre-season, he was always Jedernak's sub in uh, in the US. So they never actually got time to play together. I think it, it's it's just a case of, you know, he, he he didn't have the best of games. That affected the rest of the team. And it was just a nervousness, really, and that culminated in, in the defeat that we saw. Yeah, um, Nick wants to say something. I'll let him do it. He, he was obviously not having the best game. And as I said earlier on, it might have been the stamp by Zarati. But surely Millen should have realised that he wasn't having the best games. And, and the incredulity around me in Block B, when the first sub came up, and it was Bannon that came off, and not O'Keefe. It, it, now, I we were just bemused as well when that happened. Yeah, there were. Um, I'm going to get straight to the point, actually, Fair, because you, your, your, your biggest thing, you think it was unfair to criticise O'Keefe. You know, you, you saw some quite, there was some quite harsh things said, granted. Uh, but why, why would you, would you say it's unfair purely because of all the, the, the wider context? Or do you not, do you think it's unfair to criticise a player in a bad game? I think it's just the wider con- context, really. You know, to say that he's rubbish. A championship midfielder, you know, he was running around like a headless chicken. You know, it's, it's a bit unfair on the guy. You know, he's not played with the team that much this season. Um, you know, this is the guy that came off the bench in the playoff final to replace an injured KG, and he had played ever so well. And you know, I, I, he, he had a great uh, performance that day against Watford. But yeah. um, it's, it's just we're, we're in a fragile state at this moment in time, mm. and um, until we get a manager appointed. Um, it's gonna, it's gonna be like this. I, I, I personally think we should go back to basics, tighten up at the back, and maybe play a four-five-one. Instead of Campbell, I'd like to see Chamak up front, and uh, maybe, maybe bring in Guardiola as well. Okay, uh, Ben, have you got any further thoughts on that? Obviously, you know, you've, you've heard Ferhad's point of view, but you, you yourself, you don't feel that that O'Keefe is up. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So Premier League standard. Mm, yeah, I completely agree with Ferhat that he had a great game in the playoff final, but that, at the end of the day, was a championship game. And I think I completely stick to my, what I said on Twitter yesterday, that he's a championship midfielder. I mean, Chris, you and I have seen him in numerous under-21 games, and I don't mm. obviously him and Guardiola played in, in the last night we did. And Guardiola at best player on the pitch by, by some way, and I don't think O'Keefe really sort of stood out in, in the games we've seen him. And I think he would be a, a good player at championship level, but I just... From what mm. I've seen, you know, this season and even last season, Chelsea at home comes to mind when he come on and, and nearly gifted uh, gifted them an opportunity to get back into the game. I just think potentially, that, you know, he'd be good at a Championship club, but isn't quite ready to to make that step up to the Premier League. Yeah. Okay. So you think maybe there's there's a there's a chance for him if he got out on loan, maybe developed himself a bit more. That maybe in the future he could be he could be a Premier League player. But it does. Yeah. I I, I kind of yeah. That's that's where I would be as well. Uh, any views on that, Furhead? Before we uh, let you both go. No, no, that's, 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 it is a fair point. All right, nice one. Well, thanks for getting in touch today, chaps, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon, I'm sure. No worries, mate. Cheers. Cheers. Nice one. Bye. Bye. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Um, again, I, I, I saw, I mean, Gel, Gel loves Stuart O'Keefe, and I, I talked to him at the game, uh, and he, he just wouldn't have any criticism of him, that, uh, you know, about the way he played, and I just thought he was, the problem I had with O'Keefe is he wasn't doing the things he usually does well. Well, um, he wasn't. He was trying to get his foot in, but he just didn't look comfortable at all. He really didn't. Uh, Nick, he's always come. He's always played well when he's come on as a sub, hasn't he? He's always not looked too bad, and I can see where Joe's coming from with that. But starting the games, I don't know. Is he more of an impact player? Um, I, I think he's more. He's certainly more suited to that role that he has been playing, which is coming up. Coming up onto the site, the, the, the coming onto the team. Uh, I've said that wrong, but never mind. Just ignore it. Um, with, with about ten minutes to go and shoring up the defence and putting tackles in, but he's usually playing in like a midfield centre, centre midfield three at that point or something like that. Just really, just filling filling space and chasing the ball down. And I think starting in from ninety minutes, we've seen him have really good games there. And you know, we know he can he can pick a pass. He picked a great one for Fernando Torres last year. And we also know that um, you know he's got a shot on him. <laughs> Because he scored a great goal against uh, against Sunderland. <laughs> just, uh, just realised what you said there, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So I had to get that in there. Um, but <laughs> no, but I, I don't personally have any problems. And I've I've always been a, someone who's really in, enjoyed seeing O'Keefe sort of blossom into the into the role. And I just think he's one of he's a, one of a number of players for whom we our promotion probably came at the wrong time to stop them being a you know a real Palace hero. Uh, Peter Ramage is potentially another one of those who, who I think. You know, had we maintained our championship status for a while, would have would have gone down in in history as you know one of our all time favourites. And you know that's the cost of promotion. You have to get a stronger team. You have to get a stronger squad. And I think that's partly where we are. But it's so clouded in this this really irritatingly depressing shroud of 
of uncertainty that we've got at the moment. Um, that it's, it's hard to be too precise uh, on, it could on be worse. people's ability. It could. Go on. We could be Fulham. <laughs> we could. You're quite right. <laughs> you know, uh, although, take, take solace from that. And it, it's been mentioned in the chat room, whole slash, uh, slash chat or slash wrists at the moment, actually. Um, <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's a rather down show this week. And normally we, we rise above it. And that just, I think, shows the malaise that's, that's gone around the whole club and the, and the support base as well. Yeah, it Which is. is unusual for us because normally is, we're, yeah. we're quite bubbly and we haven't been yeah. today. I know, I know. We'll try and sort it out for the remainder of the show. It's been a difficult week though, isn't it? I mean, I'm sure... Well, we'll, we'll talk about the Mackay Moody thing in a minute. That's the, that's the thing that really knocked me for six. But um, Okay, uh, Alex, you haven't said anything for a while. Have we got any uh, good contact? Uh, we've only got one actually on O'Keefe and it's a guy from at Harvester and he says he has the potential to be Premier League standard he showed that last season when coming off the bench which I think we've all uh, alluded to in the the last few minutes that he's always had a good impact but perhaps hasn't always delivered when uh, stuck in the starting eleven. Yeah, uh, we've got gen- another one actually. Sorry, Palace Gift said he looked lost out there on the pitch and was trying too hard. Jednak should have put his arm round him and helped him through the struggle. Yeah, listen, uh, trying too hard was also uh, probably a good way of summing up a, a lot of what went on. A lot of people have said pe- you know players weren't trying. I think it was exactly the opposite. It was probably trying to tr- focusing a little bit too much on on just and, trying and to not relaxing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He's trying and, to prove a point in there, isn't he? By yeah. Yeah. By Millen putting him in there, he's got a point to prove, and he wants to play football. You know, he's a young, hungry footballer that, that hasn't had the time that that perhaps a, a player at that age should get. And as soon as he gets that chance, he's just going to go out and 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 not think calmly and and perhaps as a as he would do if he'd played his twenty yeah. seventh game of the season. You know, yeah, yeah, it's a it's, it's a bad time. Bad time for him to come in, but I mean, players often do get a chance uh, a very bad time, and if, weirdly enough, it's the same for managers. They often get their opportunity to be a manager at an incredibly bad time for the club, but you've got to be ready for it. I mean, that's what it's all about. Um, that's the difference, isn't it, for me, yeah. between the, the, the top players and the and the yeah. ones that won't make the grade? Yeah. All right. Um, I was going to talk a bit about Ward and Kelly, but I, I'm, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit, I think, because we've, um, we've, we've gone on a little bit. Um, but I will mention briefly that I thought Kelly looked really good going forward. He was nice and nice and solid at the back, but um, I do think he tucked in a little bit too often. Uh, he's a clearly a centre-half. Yeah, yeah. Very he's, clearly a centre-half. Yeah. Uh, I think, one of these, again, with a bit of time, with a few more games, he's one who's, who's not played an awful lot of football of late. And the more he plays, I think, the better he'll get. It was a nice little run early doors as well. Uh, great cross to the back post. Very unlucky not to see Campbell tuck that one away. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've got uh, also looking at uh, Bannon and Johnny Estro I wanted to look at. Um, I suppose let's focus on Bannon. Johnny Williams came, on, came off the bench, did brilliantly. Um, and I think, again, it's hard to find a place for him in the side. You would say, who would you have dropped? But you'd, on, the, on the display of yesterday with hindsight, you'd have stuck him in, in centre midfield for O'Keefe. And he certainly couldn't have, um, that's unfair to say, he couldn't have done a worse job. But it's the best way I can think of saying it at the moment. Um, I'm sure, yeah, there you go. Only just back from injury, so maybe that's a bit, a bit in there. Uh, but Bannon had a, had a good game, didn't he? What do you think, Nick? Yeah, for Bannon, although earlier on I said he was left on his own out there for a bit, he was a lot better than Balassi, wasn't he? Uh, he yeah. can, and he can certainly deliver a ball, turning on a sixpence and, and getting it straight in. And you, you know that every ball that Bannon gets in is going to be there or thereabouts. Um, and I'm glad he got the chance yesterday. And I, I'd, I'd have, I just don't understand why Bannon and Williams can't play at the same time. 
because West Ham had two Letterlands in the centre of midfield. Yeah, uh, that ran the show, and they, I think Bannon and Williams would run the show. Look at, look at us last season; they, you know, neither of them played, and, and we still absolutely turned teams apart. Yeah, I think that's that's fair, um, but I, I don't know. I don't know if you can accommodate. But I, I kind of would like to see Bannon sort of almost playing the Shamak role. Um, well, that's it. You don't want to put those two out wide, do you? Realistically, no. neither of them are wingers, and that's what frustrates people more than anything is that you see people get chucked out on the wing. Barry Bannon is absolutely not a winger, and but yeah, he can completely. It. He can do, but that's. That's brilliant if you if you get a lot of set pieces and and you can pick him up in central midfield and he can pick a pass in that number ten role there like Chris said I think we saw that last uh, last season up until perhaps Christmas he was our most important player in that in behind there wasn't he I honestly think he's got goals in him as well that's that's another thing about Bannon. but you give him you give him a couple of yards on the edge of the box he's got a, a fine strike on his left foot and that's and you yeah, really do think that he can bring something. I yeah, think. he had the shot straight at the keeper, didn't he? He did, yeah, again, yeah. If he gave it a bit of a, you know, one of those things, almost if he sliced it a little bit, you could see that one go in. But he hit it very well, but straight at the keeper. And obviously, Glenn Murray had a similar chance late on, uh, coming off the bench. Where he, he did well to shift shift onto his left foot, but just drilled it straight at, um, you know, straight at the keeper, straight at Adrian. Uh, and then, yeah, so there, there we go. I mean, Bannon had a good game, though. It was, it was nice to see him back in the side. Um, I can't see him displacing Punchin, but I can see him being useful throughout the course of the season. And I, yeah, I, I do think there's a case for him playing in playing central. I really do. Uh, and on the the wheel, if Schmack can can drill, you know, to, can score goals like that, push him further forward, get Bannon in behind him, maybe an option. So there you go. Um, all right. Uh, last thing on the on the game before we move on to talking about managerial discussion, the atmosphere. Uh, great start. A lovely. Amazing, inspiring display by the HF covering the whole stand. It was just brilliant to see and love the coverage that got on, on, on Match of the Day as they panned across with Barry Davies back doing his commentary. That was nice. It was good. It's really good. And then, you know, singing nice and loud. It felt like we'd never been away. But you can tell when we start talking about the team being affected by the, off the pitch events, I felt it was clear that the fans were as well because we didn't. You know the, the homestyle carried on uh, in the in the bottom corner as they always do, but I think the rest of the support got really, really downbeat um, during the course of the game. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, I think I think so. One of the things is when you do a, a display like that and and you do get really loud and and things like that just before kickoff, you come out and and you expect to see a reaction from the players. And I think every time that we have done. You know, we we've seen that reaction, albeit you know, even if we lost like Spurs' first game of last season, we lost. But even under Holloway, we still showed that complete fight and gen that was just going through anybody, and and we had that about us. And I don't want to say that you know there wasn't any effort because it annoys me when people say that the players didn't care and they didn't have any effort because they absolutely did. They're professional footballers. They 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 give a massive a massive amount. But you just you just felt that they were so downbeat. It was it was quite scary and. Yeah. The moment they got on that pitch, they didn't know what they were going to do. They looked scared, and they just they knew they knew what was coming. And you just feel as if that we have to get that solidarity in for for the fans and players alike. That we have to appoint a manager. Yeah, I think it is. It's definitely down. You need to get someone to unite behind, don't you? Even though I don't think there's any there was a lack of willingness to get behind the team at all. But I just think it just been a draining week. And and it was really hard, and uh, it wasn't helped, Nick, by um by a fair few just streaming out before the end. 
I couldn't believe it. The amount, the amount that left, you know, we'd take the mickey out of, out of the, our friends on the South Coast for that. And it's just, people, I've, I've had enough of this. I can't take this. I hope it's not like this all season. I'm going to give my season ticket up. I heard a couple of times. It was, <laughs> you know, and really? it was, it was good to be in block B because it's not often I go in there. Normally I'm in the family bit in the main stand. So, you know, and, and to actually be part of the display at the beginning was, was a new one on me because you're yes. in there and you think, oh, I wish I could see what this looks like <laughs> yeah, in, yeah, in the midst of it all. Um, yeah. And there were long, long, long periods of silence, even in block B. And I'm just wondering whether the clientele in there has changed a little bit, sort of with people renewing season tickets and Ooh. having different people in there. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Well, maybe. I mean, there's, there's a lot going on. Obviously, a lot of things have happened. And one of the things that was worth bearing in mind was that the travel was uh, awful yesterday, particularly around Norwood. And um, so, I mean, there were probably factors. There were always are factors of why people have to leave games early. But when you're talking about that volume of people, and it just is concerning to see... Um, we have gained a considerable number of uh, Premiership-only fans, if you like, um, who we're hoping to uh, keep for the long term, hoping that they get what being a Palace fan is all about. And obviously, we had a, I suppose a lot of them would have joined during some pretty good times under Tony Pulis um, and, and a really good season last year. And But this is this is the other part of being a Palace fan, isn't it? They've got to get used to it. Yeah, sorry, Mike in the chat room, Mike Carey, um, said exactly the same thing. Suddenly we got a load of... He says they're fake fans. I, I don't know whether they are. But, you know, and Shifty97, I hope we don't end up just getting tourists watching us coming to see a premiership game. Yeah, see, I, they, I'm... They lack the passion. Yeah, I know, and, I, and that is right. A, a lot of the time, a, a tourist supporter, if you like, will will lack, lack the passion of a, you know, of a, a seasoned Palace fan. Although they also are often without the sort of cynicism of a Palace fan, should we say. But I want to, but I, I kind of changed my own tune on this because I used to be a little bit resentful of it as well. But I kind of think that there are more people we need to, to convert and educate. And it would be much nicer having a stadium full of, of, you know, true Palace diehard fans. But, you know, there's, there's a huge gap there of people that don't exist. So we've got, we've got to make these people like that and educate them. And, you know, and that's what I want to see. Um, and part of it is this process. They've got to accept the bad things um, uh, to to you know to hopefully enjoy the good when they do when it does come back. And you know it will, it will. That's what Palace is all about. You know the roller coaster and all that sort of business. But yeah, it was a bit disappointing yesterday in terms of it was a bit of an anticlimax. But I think like the team performance, you can look at the, the fan fan situation and say in the atmosphere and say it was reflective of the current situation at the club. There is. We are a club that is struggling, and it's not all of our own doing. You know, there was some ridiculous events that I think we'll talk about now. What's happened to Albert? Has he gone for his interview with Steve Parrish? I, he has, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. He might be, you never know, he might reappear later on. So, um, But he did say he had to pop off and talk, talk to Steve. So he knows, knows an awful lot. Uh, let's talk managers. Um, let's start, because we obviously we've just reviewed a game where Keith Millen was in charge. How much do you read, gents, into whether or not that is... Uh, well, it's obviously not a good thing for Keith Millen to have lost that game, but how much do you read into it? Um, is he still a, a candidate for you, Alex? Yeah, I, I think he has to be. I think had he been appointed, you might have seen a different a different reaction. I don't. I think whoever was caretaker manager at that point, after the week before and, and the week that they've had, it's it's very it's very difficult. The, the thing for me is the Keith Millen appointment makes makes 
sense. It's convenient, you know. He's been there for the whole of pre-season. He knows the club inside out. The players respect him. The other question that I have is, will the players listen to him? Because the transition from an assistant manager to a permanent manager is is one that's very difficult. As an assistant manager, you're there to to be the player's friend. You're that middleman between the manager and the player. Now, yeah. stepping up and and changing into that is is going to be very difficult. Does you know he's a very nice man, and and we would all absolutely love that a Crystal Palace fan was was managing our club because of the passion that he has and the things he comes out with are are amazing. But you know, does he command that respect? Do the are the players going to listen to him like they listen to a Tony Pulis type figure? I think maybe. We do need an outside influence. I would like, you know, as much as I would love Keith Millen there, we do need an outside influence, not to come and change things completely, but just to freshen things up and not not even change the approach one bit. Continue how we're going, but just to ha- to have that respect. Keep Keith it's, Millen in there, yeah. but just keep that that respect in the changing rooms and and yeah. be a loud voice and make sure that every single player in there is going to listen to every single word. Yeah, I know what you mean, and, and I know Albert was speaking uh, earlier about the you know pre-show about the transition to assistant manager as well. That it is an incredibly difficult thing to do successfully. Um, it, it's almost better to, to leave the club you're assistant at to then go and do it somewhere else because then you you don't have that like you say you're you're the player's mate or you're the guy they go to when the manager upsets them or something like that. And it is a it is a transition. Um, and and again, but it does make sense for a lot of for a lot of reasons because you know, we know the guy. He knows the players so so well, but what we've got to see is is evidence that he can lead them. Evidence that, and we, last season we saw some really good performances under Millen, and he really turned us around. Um, but unfortunately, when you see what happened against West Ham, that that's not going to fill the the people making the decision with confidence. Uh, you had a slightly more critical view, Nick. Yeah, I mean, I'd start, I'd start a thread on it. I'd- I was actually almost glad that we we lost to West Ham because it it means that Millen's less likely to get the job. And uh, I was chatting about this with my brother. Hello, Grant. I know you're listening. Um, um, We don't think Millen's the way forward. And again, in the chat room, wholeradio.net slash chat, um, they're they're also talking about the the transition from assistant and the players will take the mickey out of him because they, they wouldn't have that respect well, they're not going to take the mick because he's their mate. Not, not take the mick, but... They're professional footballers at the end of the day. They're professionals. The, other, the question is, being an assistant manager, you have to be friendly. You have to be kind. You have to be that man that puts his arm around the shoulder when the manager's giving him bollocking. But now he has to stand up and be that man that gives the bollocking with the relationship that he has with the players. It's such a different role and a different scenario for him to be in. It, that, it's, it's almost impossible for me. That's exactly what I'm saying. So perhaps when they, when they take the Mickey, hmm. as somebody would come in, and you, and you do need somebody with an outside view. And thought to me is how much is everybody's on? Oh yeah, let's keep Keith Millen on. He's a Palace fan. He's loyal to the club. But he's been there eighteen months. That is quite loyal with the um, sort of run of managers we've had lately. How much of that is going to be sort of a millstone round? and neck of trying to get somebody new in. Uh, Steve Clark's been mentioned in the chat room. He'll want to bring his own people in if he comes in. Neil Lennon, would he want to bring his own people in? Would would that be a stumbling block to taking on a new manager, do you think, if Keith Millen, right, we're keeping him here? Um, yeah, but then, 
Sorry, at the end of the day, Tony Pulis still brought Jerry Francis and Dave Kempin and found a place for, for Keith Millen. It doesn't make it impossible. I think any manager coming in now will want Keith Millen involved somehow because he's been there for 18 months. He knows how the club's run. And that advice that, he can, that a manager can get off of him is completely essential. You can't yeah. just come into a club and say, right, get rid of all the staff. We're doing things my way now. That's just that's not football. That's not how things work. You yeah, don't listen, run a business like that. Yeah, it could, Unless it could, you're Brian Clough. Yeah, it could be it could be something that that happens later on. You could obviously end of the, get to the end of the season. You then might decide, okay, you know, I'm not don't want to, a new manager might decide he doesn't want to work with Keith Millen or, or first team coach Ben Garner. But you're right, Alex. We're talking about a transition anyway with Millen transition from assistant manager to manager. If that was the case, if a new guy comes in, there's another transition there, and that and that's got to happen immediately. Uh, but, and that's that manager settling into to dealing with those players and. If they're not players he knows well and, and he's not managed on a day-to-day basis, then you've got to do whatever you can to make that process easy. So I think it, I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think it's a, as big as deal, a deal as people have been making out. And especially when you see sort of um, this thing about Sherwood, oh, he didn't, he didn't sign because he, we wanted to keep Keith Millen and mm-hmm. the, the, the first thing that came out about um, uh, Mackay not joining was because there was a backroom staff issue. Do you know what I mean? People... This is going to be one of the first things Steve Parrish says in one of the interviews is that we'd like to keep Keith Millen in. And to get that far down the line, you don't just change your mind at the end. And, and, and managers will accept that, that he needs to be there. Like, it is essential that he is there for any manager coming in. We just need to wisen up and, and think about it logically. If I'm going in as manager, I need somebody that knows every single player inside out and can give me a report tomorrow morning on every single one of them, where we need to improve, where we're better, who's good at this, who's good at that. Because you have to, because it's not sustainable otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let, we'll, um, we'll talk about the candidates in, that aren't Millen in a very, very short while. Uh, we're going to talk about Mackay and Moody first, but just to remind you that we are giving away a ticket for the Newcastle away game, which also contains an optional uh, free coach travel ticket as well, uh, just to actually help you get there. Um, so that will be coming up very shortly indeed, but we're just going finish to finish the managerial chat first. Uh, the Mackay and Moody situation... Um, Obviously, we were within a very short space of time, by all accounts, to reporting to appointing Malky Mackay. Uh, when the information started coming out that evening, it was first of all, it was kind of disbelief, wasn't it? It was, you know, I don't really. This is just going to be one of those stories that there's a load of rubbish, and then all of a sudden, the you know the actual article started coming out, and you see what the texts have said, and you just straight away you knew Moody's Moody's out of the club. There's no way he can stay at all. Uh, and you just count in your blessings that we hadn't appointed Mackay. Um, obviously, it's it's gone now. Got a life of its own elsewhere. But um, so let's talk about Mackay first. Um, you disappointed at all, Albert, that we didn't appoint him? <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't want him before it became apparent that he was a racist, sexist, anti-Semite. Um, blessing in disguise, I think, is the um, is the term. Dodged a bullet is another one that springs to mind. Yeah, yeah. There's all those, all of those phrases. Um, Nick, obviously, we we did dodge a bullet there, but um, exactly my words. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know that were Albert's words actually, but I was thinking <laughs> the same thing. It was a close shave, and you know, whether Tan was still plotting his revenge against us, you know, there's there's talk of that twenty million pounds he wants to sue us for as well. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. that, that's for another day. Um, we did dodge a bullet. I don't want anybody like that in the club, much as I don't want anybody like old. Uh, yeah, Moody. What's his What's his fascist bloke? Um, oh, Di with oh, his okay, with yeah. his salutes. I I don't want him at the club either. 
Um, but what do you make of the Ian Moody situation? He's someone who's played uh, behind the scenes. He's been very uh, involved in a lot of areas of the club. He was involved in the new the appointment of Tony Pulis. He's involved in, involved in the new manager search up until we picked Mackay only to withdraw it in the obvious circumstances. Uh, and he's someone who's been involved in the uh, scouting system and selection of players, renewal of contracts. And all of a sudden this comes out and, and he's gone. Um can't be anything but glad, can you? But you're shocked by it? Shocked but not surprised, if that makes sense. And how much of, you know, how much of Moody being there was down to Pulis? Or, or Pulis leaving was down to Moody being there well, and interfering? Well, judging by the bets, people think, I've thought, thought a lot, but I, I'm not so sure. I think, you know, I don't think Pulis is going to be on the way back now. Moody's gone. I think that's, that's complete insanity, but... Uh, it just seems an incredibly odd situation that uh, someone you, you you think a degree of due diligence is done on people, so he must have effectively lied or sort of you know suppressed this information because this this happened back in March. This search, by all accounts, so it seems very done. odd. Yeah, uh, what do what do you think, Alex? I just think you know it's a, it's another day at Crystal Palace, isn't it? It's the <laughs> it's, it's the ups and downs, and, and we can't be surprised by anything. Obviously, what does frustrate us all that it comes out. As Malky's signing on the dotted line, obviously you'd rather know that before you go in to talk to him and, and waste time and, and picking him. And if and if you know we did know that, Tim Sherwood probably would have been on charge on Saturday. Whether that's right or wrong is obviously a different argument. But we've, I, th- I think it's a blessing in disguise. I think most people, with the appointment in general of, of Mackay, were just became content because well, it's him or, or nobody else really, so we'll accept it. But. We've got to pick the right man for the job, and I don't think it was him. So we move on. We're Crystal Palace. That's what we do. Yeah, no, right. Fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah. At least, uh, sorry, Chris. At least we know. We've often had the question, "What did Moody do all day long?" Well, now we know. He sent lots of texts. Flavonopoly. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know what to say. Really. Um, <laughs> it's it just. Yeah, it was an incredibly weird. Uh, you know, situation to be put in as as a he just got a feel for the board in that sense. So there's been a lot of criticism of the board. Some some people had sort of you know some reasonably well thought out reasons why they were criticising. Some didn't. But I mean that situation. If you're going to criticise, you've got to assume they knew about it all. And I just can't imagine that they did. In that, of course that they thing. didn't. Of course they. Yeah, didn't. It, you know, it, they wouldn't it, have pulled out if they if they no. if they known already. They would have just carried on with it, wouldn't they? Yeah, exactly. No, it was it was it was just horrific. It's a horrific day. You think you're you're so close to having, um, you're so close to having a, a new manager in place and fulfilling the sort of the idea of having someone in place really really quickly. And and there we go. Well, there we are. We've still got no manager, and um, and who is it going to be? That is the question. Uh, we've got some some views from the the Twitter sphere. Uh, a lot of people, uh, Mandy Morgan saying Steve Clark, Palestats saying Steve Parrish, <laughs> Anthony Stewart <laughs> saying it's Neil Lennon time. Um, lots of people just saying almost anyone, but there, yeah, David Bailey, Ross Blake, all saying Steve Clark. Um, <laughs> Simon Kelly has gone for a Ricky Newman and Bobby Bowery combination. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bit of Bobby Bowery in there, definitely. Yeah. It, it was good yesterday, actually, to have the uh, Barry Bannon chant to the old Bob 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 Bob. I won't do it all. Bowery chant. Uh, yeah, haven't heard that one for a while. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll leave Tony that Popovich. That's Tony my Popovich. choice. No. All right. 
No, Albert. The reason, the reason I say that, why is everybody going on about he must have Premier League experience? Did Mourinho have Premier League experience when he first came in? No, but he won the um, Champions League report. Champions League. Yeah, anyway, um, yeah, that was, that, was our, that was our Twitter <laughs> poll, which we'll hopefully revisit shortly, if I remember. Um, yeah, okay, th- those are your thoughts. Actually, um, we've got, got another suggestion, sorry, quickly, cool. on, on um, Twitter, and we've gone for Jedward from Ginger Nut. <laughs> just in case um, that'd be interesting wouldn't it I mean the press conference it's probably less of a joke than appointing Malky Mackay yeah the, <laughs> the press conferences would be fun and they would go on a while let's face it um, there you go Centric. so of all the candidates uh, Tim Sherwood's pulled out um, he's given his reasons in a I think it was a column in the Independent uh, very complimentary about Palace and about Steve Parrish but ultimately decided because of the circumstances wasn't the job for him um you know, people are free to read between the lines of what he said or not. I, you know, I just take it on face value. Uh, and personally, I, I gave my opinion on on Sherwood a couple of weeks back. It just wasn't for me. I, don't, I just didn't feel that he was going to be a good fit for the club. Uh, Neil Lennon is still the favourite for the job. Um, I'm a bit, I'm, I'm a bit worried about any manager that divides the support in their appointment. And to a degree, I guess uh, Tony Pulis did a little bit. Um, no, he didn't. Nobody wanted him. yeah well okay fair enough Um, hmm. odds checkers just told me I don't have permission to access their site I don't know if they've that's a bit weird isn't it anyway um, I was going to check who the latest what the latest odds were but I I checked it once Lennon's 13 to 8 Steve Clark 3 to 1 Millen 7 to 1 Pulis 7 to 1 Paul Clement has come up a bit today well there you go that's that's an interesting one isn't it um, that's a very interesting one, Paul Clement, because uh, you had the report on Sky uh, that we'd apl- approached Chelsea for Dermot Drummy, and everyone was thinking, well, why are we going for someone who's never managed? Uh, the, is the international something or the other manager for Chelsea? Highly regarded, though. Very, very high- highly regarded yep, in the industry. Yep. And now someone, and someone who has worked with Paul Clement before. Obviously, Paul Clement is his assistant at Real Madrid, is that right? He is, yeah. yeah well, yeah. now he's actually... Um, Technical first team bloody blur or something because they oh, okay. Zidane was assistant at now it's Hierro but it's politics over there isn't it don't listen they're rubbish he's assistant manager yeah uh, okay fair play thanks thanks for the confirmation uh, but then, so um, and he's talked about wanting to uh, talk back in May we were looking at an article earlier Nick uh, found that he was talking back in May that Fred like he just hopes to find a, a club that will look at him and think he's had a good grounding and think he's worth a go and you, you think you put those sort of pieces together. It, and you know the, the shortening odds and the fact that we've supposedly approached Drummy and talked to a couple of people today by all accounts. Very interesting, very interesting position to be in. A uh, lot of <laughs> there was um, Ducky Friedman was up there, but I think a lot of that was to do with um, a joke that was put on Twitter. Where I think it was Elliot Hutchins who was called into the show before um, said he'd put something on Twitter to see if it affected the odds, and it did. And he said he'd spoken to Dougie and it, Parrish had been in contact. All of a sudden, later, Freeman's odds are halved. But, um, the, um, the general consensus in the chat room, surprisingly, is a lot of people saying they want Warnock back. I'd take Warnock back in a heartbeat. And uh, DJ uh, Shores says, Blimey, you know we're getting desperate when I don't get slagged off suggesting Warnock. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I mean, I'll, I'll go come to you in a second, Albert, because obviously you, you agree. I, 
I'm going to sound like I'm picking myself up again. I was on Absolute Radio yesterday, and he was my <laughs> he was my choice then when I was talking to Ian Wright. I, I um, and Wright, he said he had been talking to Warnock, funnily enough, and um, about all that had gone on. Didn't say that he uh, mentioned the um, mentioned the Palace job, but I, again, I think I said I even said it last week as well. I and it feels so much like when we brought Tony Pudis in because I said Warnock again. Then I think we just need someone a really strong personality who knows how to organise a defence because that's what we're used to. And if you want to try and pick up where you left off in circumstances where you don't have an awful lot of time, I think you know there's there's not that many options out there. I think a more progressive long term appointment is someone like Paul Clement or. Even Steve Clark, who's now creeping up the odds and, and looking like we might have even spoken to him this evening. I'm not sure. Someone was saying there was a report about that. But, you know, those... Yeah, I, was, had, yeah, I had Parrish has spoken to two people today. Yeah, that, that was... yeah that, again, uh, About the manager thing. I'm sure he's spoken to lots of people today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, obviously, look, things are going on. But are those are the sort of appointments you think. And, again, we've talked about Premier League experience. We've talked about... Uh, Steve Parrish was in, talking to the Croydon ads. Uh, there was comments in there about um, he wants to make an appointment for the long term. So Neil Warnock isn't that, but I mean, what, what are your reasons for wanting him, Albert? You just mentioned he'd come in, he'd galvanise everybody, the fans, the team, he'd organise the defence, and I, I generally think he could, you know, even if it was, you know, 16th, you know, a considerably lower finish, I, I believe he could keep us up. I think he's what we need. You need someone strong who's going to come in, who's just going to you know, leave all sentiment at the door, kick everybody up the arse and just get on with it. You know, again, like you say, tw- you know, a 12 month contract or, you know, even till January, maybe if, if he'd be up for it, you just need someone who's going to come in and just do it in the short term impact manager. Who would you buy? Would you be allowed Clint, to have the transfer? Brian Dean, probably. Nothing wrong, with, nothing wrong with that. I, I, you know, uh, I think um, by the time we've appointed someone, the transfer window is going to be shut anyway. Um, that's that's what concerns me. No matter, in, in all seriousness, no matter what avenue we go down, we are dangerously close to the end of the transfer window. Clubs know that we're going to be desperate. We've it's been spouted across the papers and the press that we have got twenty five, thirty million to spend. Um, you know, we're backing ourselves into a corner on the transfer front. I feel. And Zaha's definitely going to go to QPR. I can, I can sense it. Well, certainly if we don't sign him, he will. Um, uh, just picking up on a few more tweets. We've had uh, Daniel Farmer saying Di Matteo because he'll get 230 quid off Labrooks. Again, not someone I'd be against at all. Uh, he get he could easily be a long-term appointment as well. You've got you to think, think realistic. You, but you've got to be realistic. Yeah, money. Uh, he's... Mind you, you, you just don't know. He's, he's been out of work a while, hasn't he? So he's some... still being paid by Chelsea. So oh, well, there you go. That'll be it then. Um, but yeah, again, it's as, it's as realistic as the fairly joking shout of um, Mancini and Lombardo as a dream team that Andy Reid has come up with. Um, Lawrence P has said one of the Chuckle Brothers, and then clarified that he thinks Barry would be the better of the two. Uh... There are short odds on Ronnie Corbett, apparently, according to Forest Hill being Hillbilly in the chat room. Well done, everyone. Well done for that. That's good. All seriousness, <laughs> I'm not suggesting him, but how would you feel about Avram Grant? They're pretty furious, generally, I think. Yeah. yeah. Let down, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, you just, you just don't know. We do need someone. And that was, I mean, that's what Phil Morgan's just said. You know, We need someone ASAP. Performance yesterday was lifeless, devoid of any leadership, and had very little fight. Um, and, and on that subject, I don't want to pick up on, a, on an email we had yesterday from... 
yesterday, I think it was actually this morning, uh, from from Danny H, which sort of sums up the, actually sums up the show really. Um, he's saying that the media are going on as if West Ham played like Real Madrid yesterday. They didn't. We let them play, and we they beat what was in front of them with ease. The team turned up. The turned up at the Emirates last week was nowhere to be seen. First time in over thirty six years. Supporting Palace, I was disgusted with the attitude and professionalism of at least eight of the players on pitch. Uh, as much as Bilassi was brilliant last year, his attitude yesterday was shocking. Every time he's lost his man, he just shook his head and waved his hands to say it's not my fault. Uh, let's have a look at the caretaker manager, some people's favourite to take charge. Someone please ask him how he could justify leaving O'Keefe on the field and take Bannon off, who's clearly our best player. And then waiting until the 83rd slash 84th minute to make the two changes the game was screaming out for as soon as we went 3-1 down. The blame for me indirectly lies with the board. They have the job of ensuring all of the circus that has transpired does not happen and they have failed. You can argue the toss, but ultimately the buck has to stop with them. Hopefully yesterday will show Parish that if you want to stay in the Premiership, you need a Premiership manager, not some Bristol City reject. You may think that that's a harsh thing to say. My good mate is an ardent Bristol City fan and they couldn't wait to see the back of Millen. Constantly plays players out of position and sees things the rest of the world don't. That was evident on Saturday by playing Johnny Wideright and leaving O'Keefe on the pitch. Ultimately, we looked as clueless as we did last season early doors against Swansea. Then a certain Mr. Pulis walked through the door. It is clear that he has left. Let's just, take, just take a moment there. Um, Nick? Interesting, that's the first time the board have been mentioned in the whole show. Mm. Um, and I don't think we can blame the board on the... Well, maybe on the Pulis thing we can blame them, but we can't blame them on the Malky Mackay thing, because that was, that was a bullet from the blue, wasn't it? We can't blame them for anything that's happened in the last few weeks. Yeah. Even Pulis? Uh, yep. Yeah, I agree. Because... Because... Regardless with the relationship breakdown or not, Tony Pulis should not be walking out two days before and the players should not be finding out, the players and staff should not be finding out that Tony Pulis is leaving exactly the same time as the fans. That's a disgraceful thing for a man of that profession to do. Absolutely disgraceful. Everyone should look at him and be embarrassed. How pathetic is that? Honest, honest to God, I cannot express it anymore. And people think I'm bitter. But that is absolutely diabolical. How he hasn't got enough, he needs so much stick. That is disgusting, honestly. I, can't, I cannot stress how furious I am about that. Literally, how, how can he treat his players? And We stuck by him, and the players stuck by him, and, and read, read into what he believed and, and worked for him, and he just literally just walk, walks out on them. Yeah, it's, I've it's said, vile. I know, I know what you're saying, Alex. I mean, I, I said before, that whatever, you, whatever the situation that, that happened, whatever went on, Whatever the problem that it couldn't that that situation couldn't have been resolved earlier or later is is a travesty. It really is. How you cannot, you know, he has abandoned his players no matter which way you look at it, and he might have felt he had to do it. Well, clearly he did feel he had to do it. But could have done it three days later. Yeah. He could have managed that Arsenal game yeah. and said, you know what, I knew I was leaving, but because I owe it to the fans, because I owe it to the players, because I owe it to, to the staff here. I stayed in, did the job, and and now I leave you. And good luck. You know, yeah. we didn't get a message Look, from him for until a couple of weeks after, and it's through David Kemp. Yes, legal reasons, yeah. but you still try and do something. There's there's a point to be made that a lot of managers have left. Uh, Steve Parrish acknowledged it himself. He never envisaged that four managers would be would have got come and gone in four years. Uh, that's not a healthy situation. You can put some of it down. Each one you analyse on its own and you can kind of understand the reasons. I don't think there were too many complaining when Ian Holloway left. Uh, I don't think there were too many that once, um, 
you know, well, I suppose George Burley going. I don't think anyone was too surprised or shocked about that. Um, and the Ducky situation is well documented. Now, I think the only one of those that I think is the, 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 well, certainly Steve Parrish mentioned that with hindsight, he felt maybe he could have done more to keep Ducky. Um, and I don't know what you want to read into that. I'm pretty sure that's what he said. Apologies if that isn't the case. I'm fair. Read the, read the Steve Browett announcement after Pugh yeah. left and everyone hammered Parrish and he literally just hits the nail on the head and shuts so many people up. And it, it, it does. Because as soon as something happens at this club, because our owner is so accessible, we seem to just jump on Twitter and at him at CEO for tag go, oh, you're an idiot. Some of the language I saw go towards the man that saved our club four years ago just physically made me feel sick. People saying stuff to his family. What an embarrassment. Like, we, is... are not, we are not about that as Crystal Palace. We are not about that as Crystal Palace, and I don't want to see us change into that. No, does, I mean, the bonus, th- does the bonus story carry any weight? The bonus story? We, well, we spoke... Well, do you mean the Pudis bonus story? Yes. Uh, we don't. You just can't. You just don't know, do you? There's no proof either way of that. So it's not something we can comment on either way. <laughs> yes, we can say it does. Yeah, it's it's a straight. It's a strange story. If it if it doesn't, it's a strange thing for someone to have made up, isn't it? But um, mm. but you just don't know. It's not not really for us to say without any firm evidence. I don't think. Um, if anyone's wondering, it was the alleged bonus story that 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 Tony Pudis had his bonus paid up in full, despite the fact it was due to be paid in instalments, uh, had been negotiating that, and then once it was paid, decided, well, effectively two days later, walked out of the club. Don't know if it's true, not saying it is. That's the, the, that was the story during the rounds. Um, so, yeah. <clears throat> just, uh, um, yeah, sorry, Chris, just moving away from Pudis, because we've, we've, we've kind of done that to death and moving on to the, the who the next manager is going to be. Andy A in the chat room, wholeradio.net slash chat, has had a genius idea for a TV programme, an apprentice-type thing where we recruit it, and <laughs> but just have to do it over a week rather than several weeks, and uh, we get down to the you're hired at the end from Steve Parrish. I don't know what sort of tasks we get <laughs> the candidates to do. Keep the uppies and that kind of thing. What? Racist texts, you know that. Could no, be around. I, I think avoiding racist texts would be the the winner would, wouldn't they? Well, yeah, it's a trick round, isn't it? It's a trick yeah, round. Oh, I see I'm it spitballing too. here, but it's a trick round. Anyone that does right. it out, fired. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I agree. Get out. <laughs> who's Nick? Who's Nick and Karen Seriously. then? Who's what? Sorry. Who's Nick and Karen? If it's The Apprentice. Oh, he's actually watched The Apprentice. We're in trouble. Oh. Um, don't know what you mean. Yeah. Oh. And um, Pete and Alice. Hillbilly, uh, <laughs> yeah. back in the chat room. Has, has come up with um, if CPFC 2010 send all their managers bonkers allegedly why not try a bit of reversal and seek applications from Broadmoor my <laughs> vote goes for to Peter Sutcliffe he's got the killer instinct yeah I think you just have to stop reading things from the chat room yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, just want to quickly run down the forward reviews of the games I didn't do that earlier Chris Bateman said we need help fast Charlie Baker we need better players uh, Zach's Zach Statkus, good name. O'Keefe Sloppy Need Depth. Um, oh, the, the names are getting harder. I'm going to skip to John James. That's why Pulis wanted players. Mm. Uh, Ian Earwicker, anyone want a job? Uh, Furhad, just like old times with a frowny face. Does the frowny face count as an additional word? I don't know. I'm not sure I could accept that one. John Ellicott, gutless, spineless, no direction. Uh, an eagle three to eagle twenty three oh six cannot pass or defend, so a lot of negativity. That was just after the game, of course. So um, fair play. Uh, all right, okay. So it's con- it's uh, competition time. Uh, we've had um, we've notified five people uh, that they have 
or they are finalists, uh, randomly selected finalists. They've been DM'd on Twitter. A few moments' time, we'll be opening the phone lines to the five finalists. The first to ring and get on air will win the ticket. Uh, if none of the five ring, it will be open to all entrants. So anyone listening will be able to win it. Um, a competition begins when the music starts. Um, I'm a bit wary of sitting here with um, with the Benny Hill theme tune on and not actually saying anything. Um, oh, we have a caller. Oh, you right. Hello, who's that? Mine. Hello, Martin. Uh, Martin Pamant, is that? Indeedy. And what is your Twitter ID? Super Rock. Good stuff. Well, you are the winner. You've won the Newcastle ticket, mate. Superb. Get in there. Hey. <laughs> Um, we will uh, we'll get in touch with you again after the show and talk about the arrangements. Um, but Excellent. that ticket that ticket is yours. Congratulations, mate! Glad it goes to a, a happy Excellent. person. Cheers, fella. Right, no worries at all. Speak to you soon. Cheers, Cheers. Bye now. Yeah. Well, there you go. We'll be doing that uh, throughout the course of the season. I expect every now and then we'll be picking up a uh, a ticket. Try and do some for home games as well because we're nice like that. And um, yeah, so keep listening all season and join in with that. Uh, thank you for listening. It's been a slightly difficult show it's don't like to be negative and it's been hard to find some positives i'm absolutely certain that before the next show we're gonna have a lot more to be happy about i'm sure we'll have a manager in place ah why did i say that anyway i have said it i'm sure we'll have a manager in place and um and things will be looking a lot brighter something to unite behind and i'm sure results will pick up soon starting with an away victory at newcastle yeah. Am I uh, am I right in thinking our next show is actually the, the transfer window special, which should either be a very very quiet one or incredibly mad? <laughs> you are, oh, yeah. And oh, there will be cowbells aplenty, hopefully. There will, yeah, I'm sure there will. Um, yeah, so our next show is it's Monday the first of September, so we won't be on the Sunday, be on the Monday instead. Uh, we're hosting our annual summer transfer window special. It goes on for hours, so you know when you're sitting there pressing F5 desperately after news, you don't need to do that really. Just just sit there, listen to us rambling on and incoherently about stuff, and we'll be announcing transfers live. We'll be trying to get uh, there'll be a whole host of different presenters, a few different voices here and there, and hopefully we'll be trying to get some guests on as well for you uh, in the usual way. Wink, wink. Um, and also we'll be doing some commentary the following day on the under 21 game that's Tuesday the 2nd of September a small team of us will be going up to Sellers Park to commentate on the under 21 game I don't even know who we're playing but uh, we will be doing commentary on that so uh, Sheffield until, is it? I think it is it Sheffield? Sheffield Wednesday? United I thought United oh I don't know you might be right Alex but anyway we'll, we'll, we will be commentating on it so thank you so much for listening to, today thank you to all my co-presenters for their efforts and uh, of course join us Monday the 1st of September at 8 p.m. Bye now. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.